Welcome to the Homeschool Loft Cast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. We have been talking in some recent episodes with moms who homeschool in a variety of life circumstances. We had Hannah Twimala growing her family through adoption and educating kids with special needs, Missy Martins as a business owner, Carrie Ebel as a single mom. And today we welcome our friend Mary Fonts to the show. Mary and her husband Dunk homeschooled four children across a pretty wide age span and in a very unique situation. And so we are really glad that she's here to tell us her story. Welcome, Mary. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. So I was just telling Mary that one of the best things about having a podcast Mm -hmm. is to meet all our guests and really meet them because oftentimes I know of them, but I don't know their story. So I'd like to hear your story about before you had the kids, where you met your husband um, or how you met your husband, the career path that you embarked on in college, those types of things. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Um, So I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, My husband grew up in central Wisconsin on a dairy farm. So um, we were different right from the get go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I moved to Green Bay, Wisconsin to go to college. My chosen major was environmental science Mm. and UW Green Bay or UWGB was known as eco U. Um, (laughs) So I um, came to study environmental sciences and um, after a while I realized that it wasn't for me. Uh, I changed into nursing. Mm. Um, I had some classes that I had nursing students um, as fellow students and um, I applied to the local nursing school and got accepted. Um, And so I graduated from there um, as a registered nurse. Um, My husband came to UW Green Bay uh, because it was EcoU and (laughs) he actually got a degree in environmental sciences. Ah. Um, So he graduated. um, He did some various things. Uh, He ended up going to the country of Papua New Guinea as a high school science teacher. Hmm. And he returned back to the U.S. and um, he started coming to UWGB's InterVarsity group, which he had been part of mm. um, prior to um, well, prior to graduation and that I was a part of. So InterVarsity is a college fellowship group. It's not an athletic club. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. So yeah, I, I really wouldn't. <laughs> right. Yes. It's, it's a Christian fellowship group on college campuses all over the U S and then there's even, um, it's uh, part of an international organization. So uh, I was part of the group. He was part of the group. He's about 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met that way. Mm-hmm. So when we were, when I was, um, um, was I maybe like second or third year, university has a large um, conference called the Urbana Missions Conference. And I attended that and 
he attended it as well. He was back from overseas and trying to figure out if he should be back into missions. And mm-hmm. I was exploring missions. And uh, at that conference, um, well, there was about 20,000 other people there. Small and, group. It was a small group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, all these people in missions, um, five days, gave fantastic um uh, teachings and seminars and you all the organizations from all over the world came and had tables and booths and you could meet them and it was just a phenomenal experience and while there um the lord led me to decide that missions was in my future mm. and for dunk to recommit to missions mm. so uh we we met and got married and um when we got married right after I graduated from nursing school and thought that I should get some experience in nursing. And we wanted to go overseas um, to serve somehow. Uh, We didn't know what it was going to be, but we put the goal of we would be on our way in two years. Just Hmm. thinking, if you say, I'm just going to do that sometime, that it won't happen. Yeah. Um, So... And also we wanted to be involved in something way bigger than us, mm-hmm. like something we could really just give our lives to. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got into Bible translation. Mm. Um, there's about 7,000 languages in the world. And, um, you know, the majority don't have even a new Testament in them. Mm. So, when we were thinking about, um, you know, where we would serve, mm-hmm. um, at the, when we were, when I was a student, there were a lot of Malaysian students on the campus. So, you know, was friends with some of them interested, also interested in going back to Papua New Guinea and, um, the assignment committee, we said, you decide where should we go? Hmm. We will just pray that you make the right decision and we will follow it. Um, We were also interested in going to Africa because at the time East Africa was opening up and uh, people going there had to go to French school. So the idea of like going to Europe to study French (laughs) was somewhat appealing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But anyway, we ended up going to Papua New Guinea. Do you think they chose that because of Dunk's prior experience in part? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Plus there was a need. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. How many languages are there just on the island of Papua New Guinea? So the physical island um, of New Guinea is divided in half. The eastern side is the country of Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. The western side is part of Indonesia. Oh, okay. So there's about a thousand or so languages on the whole island but in Papua New Guinea there's about 800 it is considered the most linguistically diverse mm. nation on earth wow yeah there there's a need for bible translations there yep. yeah <laughs> get as many as you can right so you pack yourself up how, how do you even know what to pack up <laughs> how um, do you leave and then just go there how do you, what does that look like so um to back up back to that two-year mark yes. um So we had decided on Wycliffe, um, we applied, we went to school in Dallas, Texas to Mm -hmm. get training. Um, Dunk started a graduate program. 
Um, so we, we did that about a whole year, mm-hmm. year round of schooling. And uh, then we returned back to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And that's when we started raising support and asking people to be on our team and uh, making preparations. We also had a baby in there. <laughs> um, and just, yeah. The story starts to unfold. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. And so that's it. So when you finally got to leave after about two years of this planning, right? Mm-hmm. You did have Leah, your daughter. Um, you take an infant to Papua New Guinea. How, how was that like? Just thinking I'm taking this brand new little baby over to this country that you yourself had never yeah. been to. Because let me just say, let me interject before you answer that. You guys, I was one of those people. I mean, we didn't even leave the house for the for whole first month. <laughs> it's terrible. If I had to go back and do it again, I would have exposed them to everything, but mm-hmm. I would have not been in the condition. This is why I probably wasn't called to go to the. Was Leah about six months old when you left? Okay. Five. Five. Okay. I remember that. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, how is that going to work? Yeah. Um, it was, she was born in December and I remember like stuffing this fat baby into these <laughs> snow suits and thinking, oh. I'm so glad I don't have to do this when we get to PNG. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> wow. So God uses all things to motivate people to go yeah. like lack of a snowsuit. Okay. <laughs> but babies, you know, are pretty flexible. Yeah. They're pretty moldable. Yeah. They're right? with mom and they're happy. Yeah, exactly. And I do have to say, you know, I've had four kids, so I know that some babies are, quote, easier than mm-hmm, other babies. Yep. And she was a, generally a very easygoing baby. God called her, too. She was equipped. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right from the get. Did it, were you nervous at all about any of the cultural stuff, um, taking a child into a new culture, or you just kind of went with the flow? God just equipped you. Yeah, just went with it. <laughs> she was actually our biggest ambassador. Um, you know, what's threatening about a young couple with a baby, really? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. She was our PR person. <laughs> um, so along the way, because Leah is not an only child, you had your boys while you were serving in PNG. Um, can you tell us a little bit about their stories? I know Niels is rather dramatic. And then the other two boys were born um, while you were there as well. Okay, so um, yes, the next child um, is named Neil, and he was born in Papua New Guinea. Um, And we had planned um, with our little mission clinic to have, you know, a normal birth. We were all on track for that. I was young, (laughs) healthy, Mm -hmm. everything, except when I got hepatitis A. Mm. Um, Then I wasn't so healthy, and um, that precipitated a preterm birth. Um, and at the time, hepatitis A, well, it's still endemic to the country. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, there was no immunization for it. Um, so Dunk and I both got it. Actually, Leah got it first. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking back and then we got it. Um, and all of our kids have had it. And when kids get it, it's one of those things where it's not that big of a deal. They're not that sick. But when adults mm. adults get it, they're pretty sick. Mm. So Dunk was sick for about five to six months. And oh, my word. Wow. Then I had this preterm delivery. Um, so he was born 10 weeks early in our little mission clinic. And then we were medevaced mm-hmm. um, out to Australia. So he was born 
four o'clock-ish in the afternoon. And we were as soon as possible, like a little after six on a little plane, um, taking off uh, to the capital city. And we had to leave before dark fell because Mm. our airstrip was not lit. And darkness comes, you know, when you're that close to the equator, it's about a 12, 12 daylight night. Oh, yeah. Um, timing. So yes, we were, um, on our way, you know, before nightfall, we landed in the capital city, um, and the, the airport there had lights so we could (laughs) land. Um, he was in the capital city hospital. Um, the next day we flew across the ocean to Cairns, Australia. Jeez Louise, I can't believe it. And Duncan Leah stayed back, obviously, right? They couldn't come with you. Correct. Yes. Dunk was sick and- And Leah was, you know, a toddler. Right. Wow. Um, so we were in an Australian hospital and um, that was a cultural experience I right guess. there. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, diapers were nappies and they had all these different terms for things. Yeah. Um, and you're sick and you've got this newborn baby and goodness. oh my goodness. And the language thing. And, but I mean, you well, were, in Australia, they speak English. I suppose. I don't know. You guys still, it doesn't matter. It had to have been hard to understand. It was a different form of English. It was a different form of English. Exactly. Um, Oh my goodness. So God provided, there was another uh, older couple that had uh, served in Papua New Guinea with the organization. They had gone Finnish and they were living in Australia and they, um, I was connected with them and they, they took me in and took care of me and made sure I got to the hospital every day to visit Mm. and, um, yeah, just really helped. So we were there for about seven weeks. He was in the NICU for four weeks mm-hmm. and then in the regular nursery after that. Um, and then, yeah, we returned back to Papua New Guinea and kind of, you know, uh, I had to really take care of Dunk. He was still not feeling well. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, and take care of these kids. But um, we were super thankful that you know, Neil survived yeah. and, um, you know, he was a little tiny baby now, but he's like a big brawny <laughs> guy now. Yeah. yeah um, nobody would ever know he was premature just seeing him as an adult. Right. Yeah. So, and what about the other boys? So then, uh, the next boy is Ryan and he arrived on a furlough. Uh, we returned to Dallas, Texas, Dunk finished mm-hmm. up his graduate program and he was born in Dallas and, um, you know, Kind of made up for things. He was like a nine and a half pound baby, <laughs> Texas, Texas sized baby. There you go. Um, Everything's big in Texas. Yes. Right? Yep. <laughs> and then the last boy, uh, Levi, was born. We were back in Papua New Guinea and um, I had uh, it was a little bit high on the high risk side. So we went to Australia to Cairns, the same place where we were medevaced for before and um, had a planned delivery in Australia. A little different than when you plan for it than when you're just whisked off, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what an exciting adventure God called you to, right out of the chute. <laughs> what about, let's, so the mission field itself, what, what was that main focus of the mission field? You were called to missions and I think you said the Bible translating, right? So what, what does that look like? How does that work? So the organization we were with has a, um, a very singular focus, Bible translation, which in some ways makes 
life a lot easier because we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. Um, and the organization um, has, you know, works kind of all over the world. Um, a lot of work in Papua New Guinea, as I mentioned, you know, so many languages. Um, a really cool thing was um, there, we, we had colleagues from all over the world and uh, the mission center there was called okay. Ukurumpa. And there are about 15 nationalities there. Wow. Hmm. Now we were fortunate in that, um, you know, English was the language of wider communication yeah. among um, the missionaries. So we didn't have to learn a lot, another language mm. to, you know, join the organization, yeah. but some of our colleagues did uh, um, mm -hmm. besides, you know, learning the, um, the trade language yeah. and then the language that we worked in. Wow. Um, and so the, the missionary staff there was divided between language personnel and support personnel and the support personnel helped. Um, they were teachers in the school, mm -hmm. nurses, doctors, bookkeepers, administration, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and when we were thinking about missions, just backing up and looking at organizations, I had never really met an adult missionary kid. Mm. And when we were thinking about this, I was like, I'd really like to meet one and see if they're normal. Yeah. <laughs> we're beyond homeschooling at this point. This is <laughs> that's talk like about a layer on top, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And fortunately was able to meet some huh. uh, when we were going to school in Dallas and was so impressed with their maturity, their walk, mm -hmm. um, just um, the depth of personality mm. and character and mm. um, yeah. So it would, to me, it was exciting to think about my children could grow up to be like this. Yeah. yeah. Raising them in that multicultural environment and all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can I just say one more thing real quick about yeah. the Bible translation thing? Oh, yeah. Because I'm trying to envision it. Right. So I have no idea. I'm just, just here. I don't know. What about, so how do you go about doing the Bible translating? What, what does that look like? How is you go to a place, you have to write it out. You learn so much about the Bible since you're translating it from a language to another language. How does that work? Okay. So uh, the training that we received is how to reduce any language to an alphabet and to writing. Okay. And uh, then translation principles mm. um, and how to, you know, general principles for any language. Yeah. So um, the language that we worked in um, was um, actually there had been some church planting done in it um, and they had asked for a translator. Um, but it's not always like that. Mm. Some people go to languages that have had absolutely nothing mm. done mm. in it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it really varies around the world, sure. um, but those really remote people groups, yep. um, you know, a lot of those have been reached now. Yeah. Um, so um, this language that we worked in called Kuman, there had been some writing in it. Um, so we worked on kind of working on the alphabet because when, when there's not a set alphabet or orthography, people can just write whatever they mm -hmm. want. And yeah. maybe you've seen that yeah. in long ago when people had 
you know, five different ways to spell something. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So we worked on that. Um, and, and you're teaching the people how to read and write in their own language, right? I mean, teaching them that part of it because they speak it, but. Yes. Yeah. So um, some literacy materials. Yep. Um, and then um, in this language group, uh, like I said, there were, um, there were some churches and my husband was a high school science teacher before we did this. And so he, he has all those teaching abilities and he really wanted to train nationals mm-hmm. and equip them to do the work. Okay. And, yeah. and we happened to be in a language group where that was possible. Now that's not always possible, yeah. but you know how God directs things. Yep. Yeah. Um, exactly. So we gathered together um, a number of people, some of them were pastors and he like poured into them mm-hmm. and they actually, they did the actual nitty gritty translation work. Um, but he was constantly, you know, training, teaching, yeah. you know, working on kind of the, um, the linguistic stuff because there's like orthography or alphabet development. Yeah. There's, you know, working on analyzing the grammar and the phonology mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the translation process and wow. And I think learning to the culture so you can use the right, like idioms or a- whatever as you translate. Right? right. Yes. So living with the people, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. we were learning culture and language. They go, you know, mm. hand in hand, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. culture and language. Learning. I don't remember if this was you in Papua New Guinea um, or some other place, but maybe you or Dunk told this story where in some language group, um, you know, you wouldn't pray to let Jesus into your heart. You pray to let him into your stomach because that's like the center of their being. Yes. Was that the Dif- people that you worked with or? Um, yes. Different cultures have different places w- where they consider the center of emotions. Yeah. So it might yeah. be the liver. It might be, you know, the stomach. It might be the throat. <laughs> Lord Jesus, uh, please come into my- And we pray, Lord God, that you would just enter into the liver. I mean, but God, that's crazy, guys. But that would impact the people. That would make sense that to them, right? So the heart wouldn't make any sense yeah. to that pe- people, yeah. group, whatever, and right? physiologically, okay, why, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You don't yeah. get it. Wow. Some things are mysteries, but true. I don't know. But bringing it back to the kids and homeschooling. So eventually Leah gets to be school age Mm -hmm. and you have to, I'm sure you're thinking about it before she turns five or whatever, but, (laughs) but you have to make this decision. Okay. We're over here. We're serving as missionaries and Leah needs to start school. So what did you decide and how did you get to that decision? Okay. Well, I will back up and say that when we were looking at organizations, um, I was very concerned that I wanted an organization that there was um, choice in educational mm. options mm-hmm. because some mission organizations, there wasn't a choice. Mm. Um, you had to, you know, the choice was told. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were told what the choice was. Yeah. That's oh, what gosh. I mentioned. Okay. So um, Wycliffe um, did give options. Okay. Um, okay. So we got to that point. Um so at Ukarumpa, um, there was a mission school or an international school. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is back in the 90s. And um, this was before internet, before <laughs> email. Um, mail took four to six months. Um, <laughs> wow. Surface mail. Letters were faster, like yeah. seven to 10 days. The packages, right? Yeah, yeah packages. <laughs> Four to six months, no matter what they told you at the post office. Oh, gosh. Um, 
So just, you know, keep that in mind. Um, also, homeschooling was not known, mm-hmm. at least by most people. Yeah. Right. Um, so what uh, the international school had was a really nice option. It was called the village program. Mm. And when um, missionary families were at Ukurumpa, their kids could go to the mission school, mm. the international school. But when they went to their village, then they took all the materials with them and taught in the village. And um, that was really nice because they had all the books and (laughs) there's no public libraries. (laughs) And, um, you know, there's no way we could have brought all kinds of stuff with us. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what we did. We were part of the village program. And so you were homeschooling when you were in the village. And yes. then when you were in Grumpa, then she went to school. Yeah. Okay. So it was, um, it was great. And I was just recent, just talking to Leah about, you know, what she remembers about that. And mm-hmm. she said, well, you know, I don't remember doing much school, but I imagine that I did. <laughs> I just remember a lot of playing. <laughs> you know, you integrated it so well with Isn't life, that right? Truth, she probably right? doesn't, there was not specific times. I mean, I'm sure there were, yeah. but she didn't see it as That's drudgery, right? right? It was exactly. just life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Did the same thing happen with the boys then that they were kind of back and forth depending on what you were doing? Yes. So similar thing. Um, And then interesting thing happened in Papua New Guinea when the kids got like to middle school age um, among the national kids. So they played with the national kids like all the time. Okay. When Mm -hmm. we're in the village. And um, but once they got to like puberty, middle school age, the paths diverged. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the girls, like they were starting to make gardens Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, get married. They got married young and they were doing, taking on adult responsibilities. And the same thing for the young men, Mm -hmm. they were taking on all these adult responsibilities. And, um, so it was, it was very different. Our kids, you know, once they got to those ages, they weren't out like playing soccer and, you know, in Mm -hmm. front of the house, like they used to when they were younger. So, um, it was at that point that our kids, that we stopped the village program hmm. and uh, they started attending the um, international school when we were in the village as boarders in a children's home. Hmm. So the children's home uh, were run by like a married couple with their family and um, the kids stayed with them, you know, went to school mm-hmm. and um you know, live with them. So at this point in our program, this is like after we'd been there like 10 years or so, Mm. we were like, okay, you know, we were thankful for the option Mm -hmm. that they had to do that. But how long do we want our kids to be in a boarding situation? Right. So we personally made the decision that like six weeks was like the longest that we wanted to do that at one stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, also, at that point in our program, we were doing a lot more at the mission center, mm. less in the village. They had just in translation, they had a lot of like one book workshops where you'd bring your translators in for like a month. They mm. would study, you know, in the mornings and the afternoons they would translate. And at the end of the month, 
book of Ephesians would be translated or something like that. Wow. Um, and they were with other translators from around the whole country. Okay. And so we were doing a lot more of that, which was really beneficial for the program, but it also meant that we were at the mission center a lot yeah. longer. Right. Yeah. Um, so the kids were in this international school with, um, kids from like 14, 15 other nations. Wow. It was a great experience for them. Wowzers. A rare experience for most. For sure. For sure. something? When you say the village, just out of curiosity, just (laughs) I'm envisioning (laughs) the village. Okay. (laughs) All those National Geographic (laughs) makes Because you also lived not in the village, right? You lived Mm -hmm. where it was a little bit. What was the difference between the two places where you lived? Um, okay. So the village was a little bit more remote. There's about a four hour drive between the two. Um, and the roads about 120 miles in four hours. So the roads were up and down around about mountains that weren't always in, you know, the weather was very rough on the roads. Let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, in the village, we lived in a in a little house in the big in the big jungle. I don't know. <laughs> I thought um, you were going to say hut. Well, we started <laughs> kind of hutish, right? We started out in a hut, um, but we eventually built you know something a little bit yeah. more. Um, but most of the people lived in grass roofed houses, dirt wow. floors. Um, got their water from um, the river, or there was a water supply that you could bring all water from, um, they lived, yeah, very close to nature, grew their own food, subsistence, farming. Um, so your children have all of this. I mean, that was normal to them because that's Mm -hmm. where they grew up. So it wasn't like anything out of the ordinary. They grew up doing that, eating different kinds of foods and all of that, drinking that water. That rainwater, so oh good. Oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> Jenny's jealous now. I, it's just I can't even fathom what a rich upbringing. Just what a rich life. Yeah. God called you to. Just amazing. And so, where are we in the story? So you are. Well, so then the other element is. Yeah. Missionaries come home on furlough every few years. Yep. And then your kids were here. Um, Always in Green Bay? Did you always come back to furlough in Green Bay or were you sometimes other places? Um, except for that first furlough, we were about six months in Dallas. Okay. But, but when the kids that, were school age, it was here. Yeah. So what happened with the kids when they were home on furlough for schooling? Okay. So yes, because we didn't have like, you know, a school that we were part of before, <laughs> you know. Um, so the first furlough um, we were like, okay, what do we do with our kids? Yeah. And, and wait, how did they react to coming here? Yeah, there's that too. I mean, that's huge. So for us, it was coming home. For them, it was leaving home. Yeah, yes. right. So they didn't remember anything else the first time, right? I mean, obviously the first few times probably. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this is a whole nother issue, but our kids are what's called TCKs or third culture kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just, just mention it briefly. Um, it's where, um, their passport country is one place and the host country that they're living in is a, is another place. And they're living in this third place when they have like a foot in both worlds. 
And so that's missionary kids, military kids, embassy yeah. kids, international business kids. Um, you know, it's it's a whole thing. And so it's, it's just a whole different lifestyle. Isn't that something? Yeah. That God called them to. Ugh. So, so they come here. Yeah. So we were like, okay, what do we do? So we talked to like the head of our missions committee and, you know, <laughs> at our home church. And we ended up um, having our kids go to a parochial school, a very small parochial school here in Green Bay, um, a K through eight. And that was um, really good because each kid spent two furloughs in that school. Um, and, you know, our kids had grown up in this village. They were the only white people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we felt like they needed to experience some American culture. And um, so that was part of our strategy for putting them in this small parochial mm-hmm. school. It wasn't like, um, you know, an inner city hot <laughs> <laughs> urban, you know, in New York city or something school, but it was a small parochial school and, you know, yeah. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, they were there for two furloughs. So there was some continuity there, which we really appreciated. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, academically really strong, um, good values. Um, you know, kind of this, a lot of the same people, you know, the second time around, um, so we did that, um, another furlough, um, one of our sons was in high school. We homeschooled him by then homeschooling had become a thing yeah. before that. We didn't really know what it was, um, <laughs> but yeah. he was an introvert. Um, he didn't want to go to a large public high school. Um, so we homeschooled him mm-hmm. then. Um, so I should mention a couple other educational things that have happened to our kids. Um, Another time we were um, returning from furlough. My husband was asked to teach at um, a Wycliffe school in Australia. So we went there for three months and (laughs) (laughs) we went to a little Christian school in Australia. My goodness. um, Australians, um, students wear uniforms. Oh, wow. Public, private, they all wear uniforms. Mm. Which is an interesting, it's kind of a reflection of their culture that they want everyone to kind of be the same and no one to be better than standout-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So they wore uniforms. They went to this Aussie school. Um, There was a kookaburra in the tree. I'm serious. (laughs) Sing it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they had that experience. Um, Another experience they had was... um, the orientation course for new um, missionaries in um, Papua New Guinea, like we had gone through when we were first going, but Levi was a baby. We went back on staff to mm. teach. I was the the nurse and dunk taught language. Um, and our kids were, I can't remember, they were like, I don't know, seven and five or something. Mm-hmm. And they got They got put in the school with the children. So while the parents were learning all these things, the Mm -hmm. children were learning. And it was all about like Papua New Guinea geography, history, the animals, the plants. Like it was like, and it was like in the jungle. And it was, you know, I mean, they still talk about that, Ah, you know, um, how cool that was. So, you know, they've had some interesting 
to um, say the least. Yeah. And there, there is a song I said, sing it because isn't there a song about the kookaburra? It's in the old gum tree. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. What is a kookaburra? Is it a, it's kookaburra? a bird? Yeah. It's a bird. <laughs> I envisioned it to be, I don't know, not a bird. <laughs> My education wasn't that rich. You guys. <laughs> You you had kind of had this whole lifelong of like road schooling with your kids because yeah. you were here, you were there, they were this, oh, they were geez. that. <laughs> so right? there's a lot of advantages though, you know, they did talk about as adults, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it was hard just to be the new person mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Yeah. And even though, like I said, you know, we return every three to four years to the same school, the same town, the same church, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, things have changed. You're still like the new person. Sure. And um, another um, son said he felt like sometimes um, the educational process was disjointed, Mm -hmm. you know, because you might study one thing one year in America and then, you know, you go back to Papua New Guinea and like, oh, you missed something, you know, or, oh, I have to do fractions again or, you know, whatever. So there was, you know, but... Mm-hmm. You know, there's always advantages and disadvantages, yeah, right? No matter what. Exactly. Right. It all works out in the end, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I should t- talk a little bit more about homeschooling. Yes. Yeah. So um, our third, uh, second son was, oh, back up. So we went Finnish from Papua New Guinea. We left. Yes. You were there for about 20 years, we right? 20 and years. then it's like, we're God's calling us home and you came back to Green Bay to live permanently. Yes. Right? Okay. And you had two kids still in school at that point. Yes. So the oldest Leah had already graduated Mm -hmm. and um, she graduated from high school. We had brought her home on a furlough, settled her in. One of the hardest things I've ever done Mm -hmm. because um, we returned overseas. She stayed here to start college. Yes. Uh, And from her point of view, we were like leaving her, you know, in like this foreign country. Yeah. It was pretty foreign yeah. to her because she'd only come back a few times in her whole life. Right. Yeah, She lived yeah. here in eighth Jeez. grade and then she's back as a freshman in college. Wow. Um, oh yeah. So it was hard all around. Um, she is our most extroverted child. And so she, she was, you know, okay with it. She's mm-hmm. like, this is the way it has to be. Um, she was on, on like our goal was to finish the new Testament Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she wanted to see that realized as, as much as we did. And so for, she was, that was her role was, you know, okay, I'm living in the U S now mom and dad have to go back and finish Mm this. Wow. Um, Then when number two, Neil graduated, he graduated, we had finished the new Testament and we went, came back to the U S after that. All right. So he was graduated. The other two boys were still in school. Yes. You came back to Green Bay. And what happened then? Okay. So Neil went to college locally mm-hmm. uh, at UWGB. Leah was at Bellin, the nursing school. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan was um, in high school. So he had wanted, had this dream of um, sports. Mm-hmm. He was very athletic, very naturally athletic. Um so we looked at public schools and I have to say, I didn't know a whole lot about the way the educational uh-huh. scene in the U.S. It had changed a lot. Right. For it, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why would you have thought about it when yeah, you were over there? Exactly. Right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he went to a public school and um, it was, you know, a pretty good public school. Um, 
But he realized a couple of things. One was that um, the kids in the school had been playing sports together since about fifth or sixth grade. And Mm -hmm. no matter how good he was, he was always going to be sitting the bench or in his favorite sport, basketball. Um, And he also was frustrated that there wasn't the flexibility of moving around. So like he was very good at math and like they wanted him to they wouldn't let him advance, mm-hmm. you know, in math. No customizing, right? It's yes. standard everything. Yeah. Right? So he yeah. was frustrated with that. So he was in public school for one year and then he said, can I be homeschooled? Mm. So his last two years he was homeschooled um, and he knew some kids that were in the homeschool group and they said, hey, if you came, you could be a starter on the basketball team because <laughs> they had played with him at the Y, you know? And so he was, his last two years, he was a starter and he enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, we all knew he wasn't Michael Jordan, but (laughs) got to do what he loved. He got to do it. Yeah. Gifted. Um, And then he got to um, get kind of caught up in math and he did like Mm. two years in one year. And um, his senior year, he got to take AP Calc. Um, Wisconsin has a law that homeschool students can take up to two classes a year at the local high school. And so he got into the AP Calc class Mm -hmm. and really liked it. And then he also took auto shop, (laughs) which he wanted to do and he loved it. Um, anyway, so that's what he did. And then the youngest Levi, Uh, was in grade school and um, we, you know, moved back to Green Bay and we knew we'd be living somewhere and then hopefully buying a house somewhere. You know, we didn't know what that all was going to look like. So we kind of planned from the get go to homeschool him. And then we stuck with it all the way through high school because it just worked for us. Right. So he was like nine or 10 when you came home. Right. And then so he was all the way through graduation. Yeah. Yeah. What was his homeschooling experience like since he was homeschooled probably the longest of all of them? So, yes, he had the most stability as far as education goes, because like that, you know, that um, time in Australia, he wasn't born yet. You know, (laughs) it's just things like that. So, um, yes, Um, it took us a little while to find our way, you know, Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out the homeschooling thing. Um, I was working part time. Dunk was working, but from home mm-hmm. so we could make it work. But, um, you know, it just takes a while to find your rhythm Yes, in homeschooling. It really does. It's not like plug and play, like, you know, if you're <laughs> nope. in a school. Exactly. My question is, because I know you were uh, part of Classical Conversations. So at what age did he start Classical Conversations? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. And how did you guys come about to that decision? So he's the youngest and, and there's a little bit of a gap between him and the next older one. So in a way he was kind of like an only child and, you know, the kids were like moving out and, and he was home alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he is an extra introvert, but he's an outgoing introvert. Extroverted Mm -hmm. introvert. That's a real thing. That is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we'd heard about classical conversations, looked into it, and it was a great fit Mm -hmm. for us. Um, So I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, but it's... it's, We loved it. Yeah. Loved it. And why don't you tell people about it, um, like what you loved about it? Why was it a good fit for him? Because some people might not be very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So it's um, kind of like a co-op um, on a national level, but with local kind of groups. Mm-hmm. And it's different grade school versus middle school and beyond. So we weren't involved in grade school, but the middle school and beyond, it's the whole, a whole curriculum, you know, math, science, language arts. Yeah, strands. Mm -hmm. And um, it's all laid out for you. You get this like book with everything in it. And then one day a week you go and the kids are all together in this group. So like, five to I think up to a dozen kids Mm -hmm. with a tutor Mm. and um, the tutor is often, you know, a parent of one of the students, a fellow learner Mm -hmm. modeling learning (laughs) to the kiddos. Yes. The whole time I, I taught challenge for a couple of years. So loved it. Yeah. And it's at that age, it's a drop off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't be there if you want, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to be. And it's like one day a week where they're with the group, right? Yeah. One day a week with the group for the other days, they're working on, you know, working at home on things. Um, So for him, it was a good fit because he liked being challenged by the other kids mm. he really he's, he's a very academic he's in grad school right now so he's very academic <laughs> yeah um really, I don't know him well but I just know he's a smarty pants just from <laughs> when I think of Levi just such a smart boy mm. so he um, fit right in with the other academics and <laughs> yes and um and it was also good like I said being an almost an only yeah. um you know to have those exactly. other kids around right and they were a tight-knit group yes right they probably still are. I don't, I don't know. There's well, you know, one of the kids that he was in it with yeah. is like, you know, they were in each other's weddings. Aww, you know? <laughs> so, so sweet. Yeah. What about, um, especially for Levi, the youngest, his extracurriculars and things he did outside of academics, like in the homeschool group where, what, how was he involved? You said Ryan played basketball. Um, what about Levi? Uh, he was involved in drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, um, the homeschool group does have a drama club. I don't know, organization. What do you call Miss Molly? Um, choir and musical. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so every other year there was a drama and he was like in them. Yep. Um, and advantage being a boy. <laughs> <laughs> Always with theater. He's also like that, very yeah. good. I mean, yes. the, the character roles that he, he was the wizard in the wizard of Oz, as I mm. recall. And so he had, he was very good at the roles that, that he played. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then there's also a, a local, um, uh, theater that he was involved with mm-hmm. to Evergreen Theater. Um, he did, um, soccer with, um, the local rec league in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, a homeschool organization has a kind of a sister sports organization that he was part of with cross country every fall. Um, our church has a youth worship um, group that he was part of. Mm-hmm. Um, is there wow. anything else? Yeah, there was, there was enough things. That was a lot. Yeah. So he's married mm-hmm. and, and tell me again what he's doing now. What is his job? In or? fact, all the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start at the beginning. Leah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, she went to nursing school mm-hmm. and she went to the same nursing school I went to, which is really cool. Yes. Um, So many nurses tonight. Where you now work, which is also funny. Yes. Yes. Full circle here. Uh, Yep. Um, So uh, in 
college, she worked at a couple different camps mm-hmm. and at one of the camps um, in the Boundary Waters, she was, she led canoe trips in the Boundary Waters Cool. and she met her husband there. He was Aww. also a wilderness you know, leader like that. So um, they got married and the first year they lived in Chicago, she worked as a nurse and he did various things. And then God called them to Alaska, which... <laughs> I still remember wow. one furlough. She's like, mom, I am so tired of this snow. <laughs> she grew up in the jungle and then she goes to Alaska. Oh my God is such a sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> yep. So um, they went there to work in an organization that ministered to college, uh, Native Alaskan college students. Mm-hmm. So um, they were, they did that for three years Mm -hmm. and they, after their commitment was done, they decided to stay on in Alaska and become volunteer workers with the organization, but both work uh, full-time jobs. So um, she's a nurse. There is, well, there's two hospitals in Fairbanks. One's a military hospital. One is a civilian hospital. She's an ICU nurse in the civilian hospital. Mm. And her husband is a diesel mechanic in a gold mine. Mm. And, <laughs> wow. And now they have three daughters. So she mm. works part time. Um, they're still volunteer with the ministry. Um, and they love it. Yeah. They love the adventure and all that Alaska has to offer. And the snow she's learned to tolerate. Yes, they just um, in a couple of weeks ago, they got their first snowfall, which ah. is pretty typical. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. OK. And then Neil. Um, so he has done a couple of years of college, mm-hmm. um, didn't continue, has worked some different jobs um, recently in a greenhouse and now has a new job with the healthcare healthcare system that I work with. Um, doing some ancillary support services. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, um, the one who came back in high school, he um, met a girl in youth group mm-hmm. and um, she had been a student in that little parochial school. They kind of met in second grade, didn't second they? Grade. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. they were together in second grade <laughs> and seventh grade. And then in youth group and they got married. Um, A true love story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he became an electrical engineer and she a special ed teacher. They live outside of Madison. Um, They have a daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. They're they're really happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then Levi um, went to the UWGB. Um, he finished in three years, um, his undergraduate in, in smarty pants yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very. in computer science. And um, he is in graduate school, set to graduate in December and through InterVarsity. So he met his wife through InterVarsity. Like, Duncan, I met each other through Ivy. <laughs> All these little connections. <laughs> this is such that. an adventurous story. <laughs> um, so she graduated from Allen, where... I graduated from, yeah, yeah, I graduated from, yeah, and um, they live in Madison and um, she is uh, working to be on staff with the university and working as a new graduate nurse and he's finishing up grad school and calls himself a house husband. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. So like thinking back 
This is kind of a weird question because you were in the situation where you were on the mission field and you didn't have necessarily the options if you'd been here the whole time. But if you could have changed anything about any particular part of your kid's educational journey, um, would you have? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, the thing is, when you're in ministry, like your options are often limited. Yeah. Um, and you do the best with what you have. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that it's that they're bad choices. Right. You have to trust that when God calls you, he gives you good options. Yeah. He's providing for your needs. Yeah. And um, I, I can't think of how things could have changed, though I did ask Levi that question. And he said, you should have let me take more college courses in high school. <laughs> Smarty pants. Right. <laughs> then he could have done in like two and a half years yeah. instead of three, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you look at it, like our, our family, we've done homeschool, parochial school, mm -hmm. private school, mm. international school. And then, you know, some of these, um, you know, courses uh, in high school, you know, at, at the local college. So yep. mm -hmm. we've pretty much done you know, maybe done it all. I don't know. Maybe. I think you have, you've done it all. Just say it. <laughs> okay. We, we've pretty much done it all. And I have to say that there, there is no one best way. Like, mm. you know, what it's, you have to do what's before you and what your choices are. And, um, yeah. you know, every kid is different. Every situation is different. Um, and I'm thankful for the opportunities that my kids had and, mm. And they're thankful too. That's good. Yeah. Have they ever expressed different opinions about, you know, different places, different things they were doing for schooling? Um, various things. So, you know, one kid, um, one of the sons said, yeah, the things being a little disjointed. Yeah. Um, but they look back on their experience as very rich. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even Levi, who had the most continuity he yeah. said it wouldn't have changed anything mm. you know so i think as a parent that is a really good um that is something to be very thankful for yeah that they're in a place of contentment yeah mm -hmm. what advice would you have for parents who are considering homeschooling or maybe they're just starting homeschooling because of what's happening in the world today but feel unsure, what advice would you give parents, new, new to homeschooling parents? Um, I would say it takes time mm -hmm. and be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, try different things. You know, one curriculum doesn't work. Change it up. Yeah. You know, um, be willing to give it time. And, and we do that in other areas of our life. Like we're starting a new job and mm. we say, oh, it'll probably take me at least a year before I feel totally yeah. comfortable, mm -hmm. if not more. That's such a good point. That is a good point. Right. But if they're not in a groove after two months, they want to stop homeschooling, yep. right? Mm -hmm. But but why? You don't even know anything about it at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You look back when you're new at something, you'd say, I knew absolutely nothing, you know? Yes. <laughs> so give it time. Um and, you know, your kids are more flexible 
in some ways than you often think that they are. Yeah. And you can attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think you can be honest with your kids and say, Hey, you know, I'm figuring this out too. Let's Mm. figure this out together. I love that. That's so true. Don't, don't stand before them as the all knowing. There's Mm. no such thing. We learn right alongside them. And those are the best uh, places to be is that place where you're, you're just not knowing when you're raw with them saying, I don't know, let's do it. I know when I was a challenge tutor, oftentimes I did all of this, all of the same studies that the students did. So when they would come and say, oh, I could not figure this out in Latin. I could not figure out number nine. And I would say, same, me either. <laughs> but guess what? Let's do it together. Let's figure this out. That's mm-hmm. the best place to oh, be. Oh, that builds relationship. It helps yeah. them to know they don't have to be perfect, right? Yeah. And have it all figured out in life. Because if my mom or my dad or my tutor doesn't know it, it's okay, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the idea is to build lifelong learners right. and self-directed learners. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah, any final thoughts, ladies? Mary? Um, well, thank you for... Having me on the podcast, and um, I hope that um, this inspires other people to think about if you have options and if you have um, the possibility of um, bringing your family to a cross-cultural situation, um, whether it's, you know, a local cross-cultural situation or in another country or another state, um, to say, hey, this could be a great thing for our kids, for mm-hmm. our family. Um, and there's even more options available now with um, the rise of technology yeah. and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're interested or if your family has that opportunity and you're thinking about it, look up third culture kids. Mm-hmm. like. Google that and look up some books and just consider that. Well, there's a book by that very name, right? Third Culture Kids. Yes. Um, who's the author? Do you know? Dave Pollack. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Homeschooling could be part of that or an international school could be part of that or whatever. But, um, you know, if you're thinking about that, put that on your radar. Mm-hmm. So. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We are absolutely delighted to have the privilege to have homeschooled our children. And we know that you are privileged as well. You are the best model to your children. And I hope you believe it. 